Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am talking to Tony Marinucci. She is a registered dietitian, TEDx speaker, author, and business owner. Today, I wanted to talk to Tony about the differences between a registered dietitian, an RD, and a nutrition coach because the two are different, and I want you all to know what you need to be looking for when you are looking for help with your nutrition. We also talked about how much protein do people need because you'll read a lot of different things and hear a lot of different things. So I wanted the two of us to compare notes from the side of an RD and a nutrition coach like myself. Now, one of the specialties that Tony works with clients on is emotional eating. So we talk about that. Newsflash, spoiler alert, you are not alone if you eat emotionally. We all do it and it's not a bad thing, but we're going to talk about why we do it, why it's not a bad thing, but what you can do if it's starting to be problematic in your lifestyle. And then finally, we discuss how to know if you're working with a good coach, what to look for in a good coach or RD. And then she also tells us about her book that is about to be released once upon a diet. I absolutely love Tony's take on nutrition. You are going to get bite-sized nuggets that you can apply right now. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am here with Tony Marinucci, and I am so excited to talk to her because she is a wealth of knowledge for us. She is a registered dietitian. She is a business owner. She is a TEDx speaker. How exciting is that? And she has a book that is about to come out called Once Upon a Diet. So Tony, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. How the tables have turned. If you want to go check out when you, when you were on mine. <laughs> yes, I love swapping podcasts. So much fun. So, so much before fun. we dive into like the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, can you help us differentiate between an RD, a registered dietitian, and a nutrition coach? What are the differences and why would I want to work with one or the other? That's a really good question. I appreciate you asking that because I don't think that there's a, a wealth of knowledge around it. Yeah. The simplest way I can describe it is that um, all nutritionists are not RDs, but all RDs are nutritionists, meaning someone can just like read a book and claim and stamp like nutritionists on them. And it's really hard to verify like what they know, how much they know, you know, wh- how, what they went to school. Um, unless you really know the person and you kind of like, you know, like it's, it's hard, right? Yeah. Everyone's different. But whereas when someone has RD next to their name, you can't use that unless you went to four years, you studied four years of a bachelor's degree where you did a bachelor's degree studying the nutrition or science of dietetics. Um, then you need, now you need a master's in nutrition. So a fifth year that's that, I think they made that as of 2020. Um, but you also have to apply and get approved and accepted to a dietetic internship after your four years of college, which is about 1200 hours of supervised service where you get experience in all different types of setting where settings where a dietitian could be. So clinical settings. So working in the hospital, um, as a clinical dietitian, outpatient stuff, like counseling, food service. Um, there's just so many places where an RD could be. And so you have to go through that process 
and then also pass a exam. So it's a minimum of five years of schooling before you could even claim yourself to be a registered dietitian. Now, the difference between that and a nutritionist is registered dietitians prescribe what's called medical nutrition therapy. So they're often working with doctors and nurses if someone has a medical condition. Um, and they just are the new, where we tend to, we are the nutrition experts in the field, just because it, we've been, we go for sc- to school for so, so long. Now that's not to say that you can't find a credible nutrition coach like yourself, you know, who has a wealth of their, you know, personal knowledge, but also went through the steps and understands, you know, the science of nutrition as it pertains to, you know, fat loss and sustainable weight loss and all of those things. Whereas a registered dietitian, like, I mean, there's people, there's RDs that specialize in in kidney health, there's diabetes that specialize in liver. There's ideas that specialize in diabetes and heart disease. I mean, like, are the specialties can go on and on? Gastrointestinal, you know, gut health dietitians. I mean, functional dietitians. There's just like a wealth of different areas in which a dietitian can go through, and they've tend to gone through a lot of schooling. So that's like the short but long answer. <laughs> I love it because I do like to differentiate between the two because clearly there's a need for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think people knowing what they should be looking for is really powerful. Um, can you tell me where was your internship? Where'd you intern? What was that like? So I went to, um, I'm from New York. So my internship was through my, actually where I had my undergrad, which was SUNY Oneonta. Um, and they have a really great dietetics program. And I applied for their, um, it was a combined master's dietetic internship. So when I was in school, you didn't have to get your master's, but I did decide to do that because the program allowed me to get my master's on top of going through the internship. So in one year I was done where some people it's like five, six, seven years to to do both the RD and the masters. Um, so I just like worked really, really hard to do that. And because it was, it was actually an online program. So I got to select where I got to find, I had to find it's like, sounds easier said than done. It's actually harder when it's not mapped up for you. Like I had to create the program basically where I found my own preceptors. So I did mine, um, at Southampton hospital, um, in the Hamptons on Long Island, which was like pretty nice to live in the Hamptons for a year. Um, I didn't get to experience much because I was always working and you, you basically, you pay to work. Like you pay thousands of dollars, thousands upon thousands of dollars to basically work for free, um, and then go home and study. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that was the majority of my internship, um, was through in the clinical setting. And then when I graduated, I got my first job at an eating disorder clinic, um, and did a lot more outpatient, um, then pretty much had a job and anywhere you could put an RD. I've always like, since I graduated, um, and I was, I became an RD in 2013. Um, I have worked for literally anywhere you can put an RD. I've worked there. I've worked three to four jobs up until now where about uh, finally I'm going to the third year of my business and the past two have been hundred percent solo. And, um, it's just been really great to like, I've did all the things I experienced it all. I built all the knowledge that I needed. Uh, now I can use that to just help people live healthier, balanced lives. I love it so much. So speaking of like an RD, we were talking before I hit record and I really want to talk about protein requirements for people. Mm-hmm. Um, my general guideline that I use, and I, I just really want to have a conversation about it is, you know, one gram per pound of body weight. Now, if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, I would base it more off of lean body mass or desired body weight. And I really want to get a registered dietitian's take Mm -hmm. on that. What are someone's protein needs? But not just, not just a sedentary person, it's someone who's working out, an active person, someone like you, someone like me. 
Yeah. So, um, the, so I hear you. Cause I, I remember what you were, what you said offline, like the recommended daily allowance that like the USDA recommends is significantly lower than I, than what the science actually shows. I think that's out, outdated at the same time, one gram per body weight is a, it, it depends really. It depends yeah. on the active individual. The formula I usually use, it depends on the activity of the individual, but if they're doing more like strength training, bodybuilding, we'll go up to two, um, two grams per kilogram, Mm -hmm. which is so close to that one pound of body weight, depending on their weight, because so one pound, it's so confusing because in dietetics and nutrition, we, we talk in, in kilograms and weight. So one, so a pound is equal equivalent to 2.2 kilograms. So it's like really close, but it's, it's not that high. Um, but the other way that I find, I actually don't, I often don't use someone's weight to help determine their needs. I often figure out what their usual caloric intake is. And I lose the percent daily value of their total calorie needs as a better indicator to give them to, to get them to where they're at. And like, I'm sure, you know, like it depends on where you're starting with that person. So to tell people to eat 150 grams of protein a day, which although their body might need that, depending on where they're at in their, in their stage, they might be barely be eating like 50 grams of protein yeah, a day. I mean, honestly, right. So true. you have to like yeah. slowly work it up. So I typically for like general fat loss, and this is, this is pretty, you know, a lot of the research would support about 30% of your total calories upwards to like 35%. There are some studies. It's funny you asked me this because I'd have to like look up the more recent studies, but there are some studies that I had come across recently that it's definitely more than we think that we need, but after a certain amount, it's like, it's, there's no much, not much of a difference. Sure. You know, so it is important and that's where, you know, where, and this is also too, I've gotten away from, like, I will help people with like more macro tracking and stuff. But what I really specialize in is helping people who have like disordered eating behaviors and struggle with emotional eating. So I don't get so in the science, although I have this gigantic science background, it's kind of ironic, but for me, I really just try to have them incorporate protein at every meal. If they can, most meals, I don't like to use all or nothings, but most meals, um, you know, at 20 to 30 grams to start. And then there's snacks to be, you know, at least one of them being in the double digits. So at least like 10 grams or so I kind of like to formulate it like that and then work with the individual to kind of see where they're at. Um, but they're all, one thing I will say is that it's not going to do your harm, your body, any harm. Like when I was in school 10 years ago, you know, there was, there was outdated research saying that too much protein could damage your kidneys, but that's only if you have like kidney damage, but it's only if you're like, have an issue, you know? So if I, you know, obviously if I'm in a hospital setting and the person comes in, which you really only you'll see in like nursing homes, which I did work for, for a while, and they have chronic kidney disease and, you know, depending on the stage of their disease, we're not going to recommend a high protein diet and anything we're going to lower it, but that's in, that's where some, that's where a lot of science I find like a lot of like trends come from like legit medical nutrition therapies for like one specific illness or condition, like keto, for example, which is for a specific, you know, disease state. Um, like if you have epilepsy, that's literally a medical nutrition therapy diet for children with epilepsy. People like take those, that, those studies and that research, and then like put it to like the general public. It's like, no, that, that is not appropriate. That's not what that's saying. Um, so all I have to say, I do think protein is important, especially if you're strength training and especially if you have a fat loss, um, 
fat loss goal because otherwise you could lose weight, but you could damage your metabolism over time without prioritizing that protein. But with that said, all macronutrients are important. So I, I try to, you know, for whatever reason, protein hasn't gotten like demonized, <laughs> I know, but it's like, I just try to like, just try not to, I really try not to put certain things on pedestals and it's so hard because it's depending, I don't know who's listening to this and what their views are. Um, but I just like carbs and fat are important. Protein is very important. Yes. We need all of them. Yes. yes. Point, we need all of them. Well, yeah. I like where you said that. I mean, to wrap it up, usually it does end up being 30 to 35% and we're good. People yeah. good. I think it's easier to go off that. Cause especially to your point, like depending on someone's weight and what their goal weight is and how, you know, if they do have a lot of weight to lose to go into like the, and then, you know, their goal weight, uh, you know, it might not be realistic. So they might have this idea. And then, so I rather like, why I like to go with like, what are you currently eating and how can we make adjustments to that? Uh, such a great way to start it off. Yeah. Well, and I think that's great too, because while I do coach macros, I'm always like, well, but listen, people, we don't have to do this. Like we can look at what we're eating and make it a little bit better. We can make sure we're eating protein at most meals. Like let's not overcomplicate things because I feel like people really complicate nutrition when it doesn't have to be that way. What, what's your take on that? 100%, 100%. It really comes down to simplifying it, but be doing it consistently. Yes. Right. So that's really the thing that I think people, people overcomplicate it. And then they're only able to do it for a short period of time when realistically we need to just like, look, like you said, look at like what we're currently eating, make small shifts and just cons- consistently stay observant and mindful and aware and, ch- and check in with how food makes you feel. Yes. Well, and speaking of feelings, wonderful segue. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I really want to dive into the topic of emotional eating. Um, this is one of the things that you work a lot with you and your team, with your clients. Yes. So I have a feeling we're familiar with emotional eating, all of us on a personal level, but can you explain what emotional eating is to begin with? Like what would be a definition? Yeah. The simple definition is when you eat, when you're not hungry, that's emotional eating. So a lot of people don't realize like even eating out of boredom, some people might argue that that's not emotional eating, but it is because that's you're trying to, one. yeah. Cause you're trying like not to feel something you're trying not to be bored, right? You're trying, you know, you're trying to avoid your feeling, right. Or you're trying to feel a certain way to replace another feeling, right? So when it's, you're using food as a coping mechanism, um, and it can be as I actually might, so my dietitians are amazing. So I have, um, both Casey and Mary Rose at the moment. And if you go back, we actually just did a IGTV webinar, whatever you want to call it on Instagram, um, about emotional eating. And she made a really good point. Casey said, she was like, emotional eating can be as simple as like grabbing a handful of almonds when you're like kind of stressed and anxious and like, you're going from A to B and you just kind of grab it and it's like mindless and you're, but you're like, ah, like, you know, you're kind of flustered versus like sitting down and, and like rolling that bowl of ice cream and just like throwing all the fixing on it and getting kind of lost in it. And, you know, being like, so it's, but either one isn't good or bad. Like we really have to eliminate or, you know, get rid of this shame and guilt. Cause that never leads to anywhere good. Um, so it's simply just eating when you're not physically hungry. Oh my gosh. So I have to chime in on this because my favorite form of emotional eating, I call it procrastinate, procrastinating. Oh, yes. Eating. Like yes. Between tasks. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to figure out what to do. Let's go have a snack. Kyle. Like, oh, totally. <laughs> Especially like since COVID, like everybody working from home, like I know that they've definitely have experienced that. Oh, I mean, so yes, let's take the stigma away from it. We emotional eat. Let's, that's fine. 
That's totally fine. You know, it's really, it's so normal. And I, and I always make the comparison that if you have a history or maybe you struggle with like drugs or alcohol, and now you're using food to cope, like that's amazing. Or maybe you used to always pick up a cigarette when you were anxious and now you eat food. Like there's so much shame and guilt about the the weight that you gain from quitting smoking, but you're not smoking anymore. Like, let's be proud of that. Like, <laughs> let's be that's proud. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's say that this emotional eating though. So, but now, okay, Kylie, you're procrastinating eating or you're procrastinating eating, I'll call it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But it's now interfering with um, like my, if I had weight loss goals or something, right. like it's becoming, right. it's hindering my lifestyle. Right. What do we do then? Yeah. So which is a great point, right? So therefore, right. Just to reiterate, it's not good or bad there. However, for some of you, if you have a specific goal and you are kind of have this plan and now you continuously like the emotional eating gets in the way of you reaching that goal or, you know, sticking to that plan, then, you know, it's something that we definitely need to look at. So the first step I think is always kind of asking yourself, what's your biggest trigger? Um, and for some people, I don't think they realize like something like being tired is a trigger. So most people think like, oh, let me have a cup of coffee. Well, maybe we need to be more proactive and get better quality sleep. Right. And, or maybe you're burnt out by the end. Like for me, when I used to struggle with emotional eating, it was always on a Friday. Like I remember when I shared with you, I had all those jobs. I've always been that person that's had, finally, I like slow down, but I used to be that busybody that had all the jobs. I was on like a bazillion sports teams in high school. Like I, I didn't know a life that was like slow, like a slow down life. Now I embrace it and I love it. And I have like time to think and be creative and it's so cool. Um, but like for most of my life, that was not me at all. And so, but I would always burn out by like Friday and Fridays are when the it was almost like, it's like subconscious. It's just yes. like, it just kind of happens. Right. Yes. And so, so that is often, I think knowing your triggers is the one thing. And then the other thing I always teach is there's a difference, there's physical hunger and psychological hunger. Psychological hunger is similar to the emotional eating. It's pretty much eating when you're not hungry. If you want to crunch something, you want to soothe something you, you just, it's, it's like that head hunger, right? But physical hunger is when maybe you're not eating enough during the day. Um, you know, maybe you're skipping meals intentionally or unintentionally. You maybe you're overtraining, whatever it is. What I find most people struggle with is they're trying to lose weight. So they're not eating enough and then they're stressed from the whole day or week. And now the physical hunger and the emotional hunger overlap. And that's what we call the danger zone. So very often before we even help our clients with the emotional eating, we just put in really simple practices to help with their physical hunger, get them back in touch with their hunger cues. For example, eating three balanced meals a day, you know, staying hydrated with water, getting adequate sleep, like all the things that I'm sure you teach. I know you teach, which is just like just basic healthier living, healthier habits tips. So that way we can definitely know that if it's seven o'clock at night and you already had dinner and now you want something to eat and we've established that you really have had three balanced meals a day, like your activity is like at a normal pace, you're hydrated. It, you can really say, you know what, this actually isn't hunger. I, I'm actually like, this is an emotional thing. Now we can deal with the emotion. But unfortunately, so many people are struggling with like disordered eating patterns. They didn't really eat much. Yeah, they ate dinner, but they didn't have lunch or breakfast. Yeah. And now they're hungry after dinner. And they're like, oh, why am I hungry? How am I hungry? And then they just say, screw it. You know, and realistically, they probably could have afforded to have like 
you could only could have sat down and have more of their dinner and been completely fine and satisfied and then just called it a day. But if we don't put in place those healthier habits and be pro- more proactive about it, it's going to be really hard to differentiate between the two. That's really powerful. And again, you know, it's simplifying and it's lifestyle. Forget the numbers. Yeah. This is lifestyle stuff. I love that one of the first thing you said was let's get better sleep. I think people are underestimating the power of a good night's sleep and how it's affecting them in their day to day. Yeah. And that also affects like just your, well, uh, like literally lack of sleep will lead your body to want more like sugary foods, uh, more like fried foods. You'll have higher cravings and your body will literally feel hungrier because calories are a unit for energy and your body is looking for energy. So it's trying to keep you alive, right? So it's going to look for something sweet, high in sugar, because that's going to immediately get you the energy that you need. So it on a, on a physiological level, it is making you hungrier and having more cravings. And then also on like a psychological level, just like being tired, you're just like, you know, you're not going to think twice before grabbing something. It's almost like it just happens because you're tired. You're just like, not, you're not thinking and not for nothing. I, don't know about you, but like when I'm tired, I am a brat. Like I am straight oh. up cranky pants and my whole day and mood is like, so I just don't care about things anymore. So here I had this big goal that I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. Nah, yeah. nah, I don't want to. You you're know, not yourself so, when you're tired or hungry, you're not. So like, that's why we have to get to the basics, like sleep and eat. That's all you need to do. I promise you, if you don't see results and I'm using air quotes because people only usually use the scale as a a marker of progress. If you don't see results, but you, you will feel them. Trust me when I say you will feel them. And that'll be a great starting point to then transfer, translate into, you know, do whatever you need to do after that. Oh, I mean, and even like, even I know this stuff, but like hearing other people say it, it gets me so excited because you know, there are clients who stump you and you're like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with their macros. It doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Let's yeah. focus on these big rocks and then it won't, like, the macros don't matter really. Yeah, but they're a tool, you know, yeah. like, like I said, depending on the client, we're, like I said, it depends who, who we're working with, but I would say 30 to 40% of our clients will, will teach macro tracking too. Um, but either way, it's a tool. It's not the whole picture, right? And we never want when they start tracking macros to lose sight of the basics, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so that's the, that's how we kind of differentiate between like who it's appropriate for or not. Well, and I think too, to drive that point home, like the basics always work. Always. They have not failed. When in doubt, when in doubt, go back to the basics. Because, you know, like most people, when they screw up, I use a lot of air quotes that no one can see me on a podcast, um, <laughs> but I may air quoting in my hands. Um, but like when people quote unquote screw up or they feel like they need to start over on Monday, they like jump to extremes right away. But the answer is not in the extremes. The answer is what do I need to do for, what do I need to do to just get back to what makes me feel good? Right. So the simple choice of getting a good night's sleep or, you know, making veggies so they're ready for you to have on Monday, that's what you need. You don't need to do a detox or a cleanse or to skip meals. None of that. You just have to do one little thing, Mm -hmm. one little thing. And ask yourself, what's that next thing that's going to, that will have a ripple effect. Yes. You know, Yes. it often has a ripple effect. Yes. Well, and the ripple effect it doesn't stop at the diet and the nutrition, not to get off on a tangent, but using you as an example, Tony, you would not be able to grow your business the way that you have been 
if you hadn't learned to slow down, which I know probably helped your nutrition, which then you realize, because I know as a business owner, I can't grow my business if I am bogged down in the day to day every, I have to have space to think. Yeah. But like you, I've had three jobs like my entire life. Mm-hmm. You don't know until you slow down. And that's a ripple effect from eating slower, just getting everything in order. Everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Because if you're not slowed down, you can't possibly be observant. Mm. You know, so you're always like you, it's like you're, you can, you can't even, don't even time, I even have time to notice your feelings. You don't, you don't even notice what you eat for lunch. Yeah. You really, that's, that's a clear sign that like, you need to slow down. If you can't remember what you had for breakfast or lunch or whatever, that's like a pretty good sign that it's time to slow down a little bit. So speaking of, um, you know, the basics, basics working and we don't need to do extremes. I really do want to get an artist's take on intermittent fasting. I know you just, I'm so excited for you. She had an article published in Forbes magazine, which I think is a really huge deal. So thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I did not, I think everyone's reaction made me realize, wow, I should really celebrate this more. Like (laughs) I celebrated it, but yeah, no, I, I, it, I was very um, grateful to have the opportunity. So let's talk about this. I mean, cause I have friends who coach intermittent fasting um, and I'm never going to say like, I'll look at everything. I'll look at the evidence and some things work for some people and some don't, but what's your take on it? And I know your population that you work with. Let's just, let's just start talking about it. Yeah. So I think whether the, this is what I always say about anything whether it's intermittent fasting, whether it's paleo, keto, whatever, whatever diet, good, bad, ugly, whatever. This, even if the science is there, which most of the time it's not, but even if the science is there, real world application matters the most, right? So when it comes to intermittent fasting, it's a strategy. And there's also many ways to do this, you know, and I actually did just recently record a podcast um, that's it's not out yet on the Tips of Tony podcast, but I share about what I shared in the article in Forbes magazine and what they said and what also what wasn't put in there. Um, and I say that to say because you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself. And most of the people that I work with feel better when they honor their hunger, once they learn to get back in touch with it. So if you're putting intermittent fasting on top of an unhealthy relationship with food and Owen, someone who already kind of thinks that's, you know, also too, sorry, I'm like kind of going on a tangent, but the majority of people I know that come into our program aren't eating breakfast. Right. They're basically not eating all during the day. Then they're overeating at night. They struggle with that emotional eating at night and then they wake up and they're not hungry. And then, so that's technically intermittent fasting, right? So there's a lot of misconceptions with it. Um, But all that to say that when it comes to putting like hard rules on something, rules are meant to be broken. So I feel like it works until it doesn't. And you really have to know yourself to know, is this something that you can, can stick to sustainably for a lifetime? Because like anything you do temporary, anything you do temporary, temporarily will only produce temporary results. So it's okay to experiment and explore. Um, and like, there's a big difference between you know, not eating after eight o'clock because you sleep better and you have better digestion. And then you wake up and you have breakfast, which is like literally just like a normal, we don't, we do need to digest like our food and like go to sleep. Right. There's a difference between that versus like some forms of inter- intermittent fasting are like not eating for 24 hours every day, you know, one, one to two days out of the week, it's like not eating anything. Um, I've seen, I've heard some really crazy things for some, it's like, you know, anywhere from like 16 to 20 hour fast, like then, or one meal a day. It 
just like, it starts to become so diet-like and I just, it just doesn't align with what I teach and what I've seen my clients been successful with, which is fueling your body, especially if you're training hard and you have like fitness goals, it just becomes so just like an extra complicated layer that it just, why are we complicating it? Going back to what you said earlier, just eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. I know I'm making it sound easier than, than done when you have a history of dieting, but it really, it, it's not necessary. So if you're not into it and you don't like it, it's okay. You're not healthier because you do or don't do it. Yes. Um, and speaking of like eating at eight o'clock at night, so I wear my aura ring and it's so interesting. We eat dinner pretty late. Like last night we didn't eat till like eight o'clock, which I also say in the podcast as well. It's like, I can't do that. Cause sometimes my days aren't over until eight. So sometimes I'm not eating dinner till like nine o'clock and like, that's not good or bad either. I need, I'm not going to not eat dinner because then it's going to screw me up the next day. It's going to throw me off. And you, and like I said, you have to know yourself. I do have a history of disordered eating. Like borderline eating disorder. So it's just, you can't put rules on stuff like that. It's triggering, you know, so you have to know yourself. Absolutely. Well, and so do I, but to me, it drives me the other way. Like, I'm like, I absolutely will not do that. It makes me rebel against it. Mm. Even if I actually wanted to, my mind won't let me, she won't Mm -hmm. let me go back to that place, which, which is healthy though. It's protecting you. Yeah. It's a, no, it's a really, really great thing. Like that's a really good thing, but yeah, you have to, you have to know yourself. And I, I said this in, in the podcast episode that I recorded. Um, but like, if you are going to try it, experiment under the care of a registered dietitian or a nutrition coach that you trust. Absolutely. Um, but back to my point, like with the aura ring, it's so interesting to see if I eat like at 10 o'clock, I can eat at eight o'clock and go to bed just fine. But if I eat like at 10, my sleep score is lower because my heart rate is elevated. And you know, it's just, it's really interesting. But again, I have to pay attention. Like you have to slow down and notice these things, get to know your body. What's your body like? Yeah. And also too, like, that's where I I just feel like intermittent fasting is it's such, it's like a rule and realistically, I mean, and then, and then you have like certain people that like take all of the diets and all of the rules and make them flexible so much that they're never following anything. So my point is, is I'm just like, sorry, my mind goes on tangents, but, um, the point is, is that like, even if you do, when you occasionally do eat at 10 o'clock and sometimes I do too, like, it's okay. Like it's, you know, it's just, it's just knowing that you're probably not going to wake up as rested. And like, you know, you might, for me, I might sleep a little later and I don't really like to sleep later when, you know, so it's, it's just knowing your body and knowing how it responds. And then you can decide what you want to do with it. Absolutely. You can decide that's where the empowerment comes in. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have somebody else tell me what's best for my body. I mean, Mm -hmm. now that I know my body, thank goodness. Yeah. Once you first, and then, yeah, I think it's always good to depend and trust on a, on a professional to help guide you to that place. But ultimately this is how, you know, if you're working with the right professional, the professional is not going to tell you exactly what to do and give you all the answers and just like give you a meal plan and just be like, do this, see you later. That's not a good coach. A coach is going to be right there beside you. That's going to guide you, but it's going to ask probing questions. That's going to get you to check in with, with how you feel, um, you know, what your goals are and tweak it with you and navigate it with you until it becomes clear until there's a point where you can do it on your own and you can, you have your impact, you feel empowered, you trust your body, you know what your body needs and you're able to do it, um, without the support of, of a nutrition professional. Absolutely. And like, that is possible. I know a lot of people 
maybe don't trust themselves right now and they don't see how that could totally be possible, but it's absolutely possible. Once you work with Tony or any of the women on our team um, or any other, you know, person that you trust our deemed nutrition coach, it is possible for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. But it, it does take time. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. Like, I don't, do you have a, a minimum time that you like that? Three months. Like three if months. you're going to do one-on-one, it's a three month commitment. Yeah. So we, we do six. Yeah. Um, I would love to make it six. <laughs> yeah. It's cause you know, cause like it's, it takes time. And then even some people after that six month mark, they might continue. I just had somebody who graduated after a year, but it was everything she needed. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing too. I think people get so caught up in like, it's like a race and like trying to, you know, get the results faster. And it, you have to let go of the timeline. Like you have to use yes. the timeline as guidance, as awareness, but you have to let go of the urgency. Like, because real change takes time. Right. I, I like to tell everyone we cannot be in a place of desperation when we're trying to make these changes. Yeah. Cause it you shows that you're, yeah, you're reactionary and it shows that you're unhappy. And I find that if it comes from a, a very unhappy place, it's never going to feel like it's enough when you get there. You know, so I like to go when someone's super unhappy, which you're probably like, well, no, I really don't like the way that I look. or I really don't like the way that I feel. Okay. I understand. I get that. We have to be compassionate and get you to a neutral place. You don't, you're not going to love your body overnight. You might even do work with a coach for three, six months, one year, whatever, and still not love your body every day, but you're going to accept it. You're going to respect it. You're going to learn to be neutral about it. So that way you can take care of yourself in the way that you want to, and the way that you deserve. Absolutely. Yeah. I think too, you know, minimum timeline, it takes someone, it takes me three months to get to know your body sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by the time someone's actually compliant. Um, you know, like how is the body responding? Yeah. Take some time. I know I had one woman ask me, does it really take this long? I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, what's going on with you? One, no, 100%, 100%, especially if someone has a history of chronic dieting, we yeah. often have to, and you were on my podcast talking about reverse dieting, which yeah. is exactly, sometimes that process is three months alone. So we have to heal your metabolism before we can make any changes. So yeah, often the first three months we're really working on mindset, those like very like behavioral, like just healthier habits, like that foundation. So unlearning a lot of old stuff, relearning some new stuff. And then the last three months of the program is more like specifics. That's where we might get into macro tracking, or you might get into something like just to kind of push the needle, see what your body can do. Um, and then the last month is like, all right, what do you need to do to be successful now that you learned all of these things? How can we be clear and confident that you're going to be able to do this on your own? Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's like my favorite. <laughs> so, the last thing I want to talk about is your book that is coming out once upon a diet. Tell us about this concept and what can we expect in this book? Yeah, I'm so excited about it. I like don't ever recommend, but highly recommend writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> Very hard. Um, like I, yeah, we'll see what happens when it's out, but um, I'm excited about it. It's an extension of my TEDx talk. So my TEDx talk is also called Once Upon a Diet. And it's all about the parallels between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships. And the reason why this came to me is because I did struggle with my weight most of my life. Um, I was teased about my weight. And I was also told from a very young age that if I didn't lose weight, I would never find a boyfriend or never get a boyfriend. So 
my weight was value. My value was tied to my weight at a very young age. And as I got older, that manifested in really unhelpful um, habits and behaviors. So I started dating men that were just not good fits for me, um, kind of settling in things that were just less than good, <laughs> not great relationships. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. And then I also did like crazy diets and restricted and then overexercise and became obsessive with my food. And so I was just like on this pursuit of finding love and losing weight. And that was it's like, until I'd had that, I wasn't going to be happy. So the book is an extension of my talk, which if you watch the talk, you'll see how I kind of talk about how just like my clients, before they start working with us, they'll jump from diet to diet, hoping each one is going to be like the one. But what they fail to realize is that they're all the same diet, just like all the guys I've ever dated were the same guy, just with a different name and a different face, like same person, just different name. Like, you know, maybe their age was different, but like, that's it. Oh you know, so a lot of names in the book, no, in the, no, in the book, in the book, I changed everyone's names. Actually, Wait it's funny that when I refer to the guy's names, I actually, actually, now that I'm like reflecting on it, I just kind of like say like my boyfriend at the time or my partner or the guy I was crushing on. Like, I don't think I ever like use even a fake name for the men. All my client examples, they are, they're all, their names have been changed. Um, but yeah, so there's just so many parallels. We treat dieting and dating the same in society and like society, it's portrayed. You need to look a certain way to be happy. And if you're not in a relationship, people are like, what's wrong with you? It's yeah. just like, it's just crazy. So, um, the book is, I, my hope is that when people, after people read it, they can understand that they can be both healthy and happy without needing, without losing weight and without being in a relationship at the same time, if those are goals for them, that it's possible to do it. And you don't have to settle. You don't have to be, you know, so it's like relationships take work, committing to a healthier lifestyle takes work. Um, but you don't have to, it's not like this intense, crazy restrictive thing, or it's also not like settling in a relationship where they're not treating you well. And then at the same time, it's not always going to be like a fairy tale, like, (laughs) you know, but like at the same time, it can, there can be lots of components that really are exciting. And like, you can actually love the food that you eat and you can like genuinely love your partner. Like, I just think so many people just get so caught up in the mundane and the routine. And they're just like, oh, this is the way that it is. Or they don't, or the things like when things get hard, they stop trying. So in like, sorry, I'm going on like many tangents, but, um, I'll just end with this. In the book, I talk about there's two types of people. There's the planter and the bouncer. I'm a planter. I'm a planter that sticks for things way too long, way past the, where the point that they were working. And I just like, we'll just like, oh, it's not working. I'll work harder and harder and harder and harder. And just like, clearly it wasn't meant to work in the first place. So I should learn to be more like a bouncer and like, stop. The difference with the bouncer is like when things start to get hard, they, they're out. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes we do have to work at things, you know, relationships take work A relationship with your body and food and all that stuff like does take work, but it doesn't mean you give up. It just means you shift, you know? And so those are kind of just like a few of the many examples (laughs) that I share that are in the book. It sounds wonderful. And, you know, there's a lot of great things that you just said, but one of my most favorite things is I wish everyone realize especially women I'm presuming you mostly work with women yes. we don't have to settle for anything and it is okay to have physique goals and mm-hmm. 
you don't have to do crazy things to get them. It, and it goes back to what you talk about in the first part of your program, like this mindset, what's your mindset around this? Are you doing mm-hmm. it because you hate yourself right now? Or are you doing it because you love yourself and you want more for yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so excited. When it comes out, I'll send you a copy. Oh, yes. Oh my God. So side note, um, do you know who Jamie Kern Lima is? Yeah. She started It Cosmetics. She just launched yeah. it. It's really good. No, where I have her book. Literally, I'm reading it. Did right she now. send it to you? Um, in the master, I'm in Chris Harder's mastermind and she gave it to everybody in her, in the mastermind. I have two of them. Ah. <laughs> I got two sent to me. I got one sent to me from Kajabi and then I got one sent to me from like Brendan Burchard's HPX life thing. So it's just, Oh, I love me. him. How's oh, that program? Is it good? Yeah. The book is great. And HPX no. life. Yes. So I'm yeah. a high performance coach with Brendan too. So are you really? Yeah, I'm a huge Brendan. Yeah, I love him. So do I. I might pick your brain about that. Oh yeah, pick my brain anytime. It's uh it's one of the best things I did. When and people told me like, nah, don't do it. I was like, you know what? I feel like I need to do this. You do for you. So, you know, it's like going back to our point, like listen to your Yeah, you know, you know yourself best. Yes. You know, yeah. Don't oh let the haters gosh, get in your head. Thank you so much for your time. We covered a lot in a short period of time. We did. We did. So where can we find you? Um, Mostly Instagram. I would say at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. Um, I am on TikTok. I'm trying to get popular there. (laughs) I know. I got to get on the top. You got to. You got to. It's actually really great. Like it's really toxic in diet culture, but it's also really great in like, I can laugh, cry, learn a lot. I actually really enjoy TikTok. Okay. I really do. To know. I had yes. to myself off from it because I would go down rabbit holes just looking at funny things. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely do that too. <laughs> I definitely do oh. that too. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I'm nutrition tips with Tony on TikTok and then I have the tips with Tony podcast. So definitely check out Kylie and myself's episode there, which I think is going to be out the end of August. Cool. Um, so I'm not sure when this will be out, but probably around the same time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think right. that's, if you want to watch my Ted talk, it's on my website. I'll put a link to that in the tips show Tony. Yeah. Tony.com. And then please just, I don't know when this is coming out. And also when my book's coming out, I'm hoping for September, um, just be on the lookout for the book. I'm yeah, this so will be excited out in, about it. Uh, two weeks, not this, not this. Oh, well, that's so funny. I feel I, I have to look at my, my notes, but I think that my yours is probably coming out around then too what if it's not this yeah that would be so funny that'd be so funny i'll I'll double check when we hop off but i love it well thanks again for your time and your knowledge i'll make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you they can get your book i'll be getting your book um and then hopefully we can chat again sometime soon awesome thanks so much thank you so much Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode of Here's the Deal. If you enjoyed this show, please share it out to your friends so we can empower as many people as possible to take control of their lives so they feel their best and they look their best. You can always connect with me on Instagram. My handle is Kylie Fit Yoga. And if you want to learn more about the eight-week program that I have, Lift to Get Lean, check out lifttogetleanwithkylie.com and 
that is the program where me and my team of coaches help people learn how to track their macros, understand the importance of macronutrient tracking. We give you strength training workouts and the biggest piece of the program is the mindset coaching of it. As you know, nothing changes if you don't change your thoughts. So I look forward to connecting with you in any and all ways. Again, we appreciate your support.